0: Hello and a warm welcome to Living Fabulously with Bev. The mission for the show is to get to the heart of well-being through inspirational stories of everyday people, expert insights from a number of health and lifestyle-related disciplines, and exploration of topics that underpin well-being. If you want to take control of your well-being and put yourself front and centre in your life, then this is the podcast for you. I want you to feel calm, nurtured and inspired so you can enjoy your life and your success. If you have not yet done so, please subscribe, rate and review on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you know someone else that would get value from the show as well, please share it with them. Join me on this journey and let's live the fab life together. Today, I'm absolutely thrilled to introduce my guest, Carl Davies whose tagline is Unleashing Potentials and Transforming Lives. How awesome is that? So welcome to you, Carl.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. It's an absolute delight.
0: Thank you. And I just know that we're going to have some fun today. So, I hope so. Yep. Let's talk about you and tell me what it is that you do, Carl.
1: I am a psychologist by trade. Uh, I currently specialized I suppose if you want to call it that in working with people with chronic health challenges things like chronic fatigue syndrome fibromyalgia as well as depression and anxiety and also with people within a within a business setting doing kind of life coaching sort of work and the my work is called energy flow coaching and it's, it's 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 unique to a certain extent and we can get into that um I started off uh, working as a psychologist in business consulting and did a whole range of things, but was particularly just passionate about seeing people transform if people were stuck, if they were overwhelmed, if they felt lost. but I always felt within within a sort of business setting that people would wear a mask to a certain extent they they stepped into a role at work, so it would only reveal a certain amount of themselves and I was really passionate about trying to get a little bit deeper. And part of that I suppose is because I've always been a reasonably spiritual person. So I always felt that there was that dimension to health healing, well-being and as you know the as my my tagline is unleashing uh, potential. And I'd had my own struggles if you will with uh depression and anxiety. And Interestingly, I suppose that they really hit me between ages seventeen and twenty-four, and I I recovered. And I don't really at at the time I didn't really know how I didn't know what it was that I'd done. So I was very very curious about trying to understand what it was that I'd done that enabled me to to basically get better. So, I went and trained in a whole variety of things uh psychotherapy, hypnotherapy tapping uh cognitive behavioral therapy counseling. I did a whole range of things and decided that i quite i quite liked the idea of of therapy so whilst I was working in in consulting, I set up my first practice uh and started working with i guess anxiety and sort of stress related with uh issues and in 2002, I then met a doctor who had a particular interest in chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia, mainly because his girlfriend at the time had chronic fatigue. And as a medical doctor, there was nothing that he could do for her. So he was very frustrated. And he, he'd gone on some of the same trainings that I'd, I'd gone on. And that's how I, I, uh, that's how I met him. And from there, we developed uh, the work. We developed a, a process. We started to work with with clients. We were finding that there was that we were getting success, which was amazing because certainly at the time, back in two thousand two, there was pretty much nothing available for people with CFS, fibro, uh, and related issues. So. We thought that uh, you know this is this is great. We've got something here, and you know we're we're really going to be moving forward with this. And we thought that the the health world would be very receptive to us, but I suppose maybe that was naive because, as is often the case with new ideas, we were we were not greeted as warmly <laughs> as we would have wanted to be. So it was very difficult to get any research done, which was what we wanted. Uh, and when it came to sufferers we were met with a with a, a mix of skepticism and sort of silence really so it's it's been an interesting journey and i've probably gone off track a little bit there but uh, i'll 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 stop there so you can ask me another question
0: <laughs> well i'm fascinated that you actually have pursued this because the mainstream medical system doesn't seem to have answers, Carl. So I'm very glad that you're pursuing that for those people who suffer from those particular medical health issues. And so I recognise, though, that the world is changing and not necessarily for the better. And I'd love to know from you, why do you believe we are seeing such dramatic increases in chronic health challenges?
1: I think that there's probably... Uh, a number of reasons for that. My sense is that, as you say, the world is changing, and, and there are—it's changing at a rapid, rapid pace. I, I think we're in the midst of a of a consciousness shift, and what we're seeing is, as we always see when there is any kind of significant change, there's a period of chaos that ensues. Uh, whilst change is, is, is taking place. And, you know, we we see this in every aspect of life, be it from uh, if you if you were having changes made to your home and builders came in, there's a period of chaos while they're, they're in your house making it bigger uh it's the same if if a person goes through a transformation that they during the period that they're transforming there there's there's a period of chaos which is a sort of a a breaking down of the old and a a building up of the new so my belief is that that's what we're currently experiencing a kind of breaking down of the of the old and a building up of of the new but what we're seeing is uncertainty. Uh, you know, our weather systems are all over the place. Our economic systems are all over the place. Cultures seem to be breaking down. Uh, we're s- p- people seem to feel lost, confused, overwhelmed. You know, f- frightened. So I think I think that is is one of the one one of the reasons. I, I think that we are because of the changes i think people are going through changes i think i think we're changing as human beings as well you know that's a quite fairly bold thing to say but i think we are i think we are evolving a little bit quicker now than we have done previously and when it comes to to health i think our our changing environment because we are changing i think we are it's almost like the world is changing a little bit quicker than we're able to deal with. And I think one of the things that is, is 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 happening is that our model of medicine, despite all the fantastic things that it does, is is limited. So it has a focus on working on symptoms and treating symptoms, and it looks at the body as a machine and we know that if it's working with a, a, an infection or if it's working with some form of injury uh, and that you have a, some form of a, a acute symptoms arising from that, then it's it's extremely good and it's, it's, it's extremely proficient if you know if we can look at it in that way. But when it comes to uh, things that are a little bit more chronic like all the sort of the 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 health challenges that I work with it begins to break down I think one of the problems with medicine is it fails to take in the wider picture the environment it looks at mind and body as being as being separate and it looks at the body in separate bits we all know that if you if you if you have a problem with your your big toe you'll be sent to an expert to focus on what is wrong with your big toe, and, it's, and your body is looked at as a machine. So I think what's happened is we've become extremely, as individuals, we've become extremely passive in relation to healthcare. We've, we're looking for an expert to do something to alleviate our symptoms quickly. And I'm not saying that, you know, to say, I'm not suggesting that there isn't a role for that, because there absolutely is a role for that. But I feel that we're coming to a time because we're seeing this in, this huge increase in, in chronic symptoms within the Western world. I think that we're coming to a time where people need to have a different perspective on what may be causing the, those health problems. So I think what we have with... Uh, uh medicine and our, our our tendency to take pills in order to alleviate symptoms is that the, the pills and potions that we're taking are, are not curing anything they're not dealing with the cause of why those uh, symptoms are there and the result is that in my experience is if we try to manage symptoms th- the body will tend to either just perpetuate those symptoms amplify those symptoms or send a different set of, of, of symptoms so I think it's a very complex picture but I think that we need an ex and I think we're getting there but I think we need an expanded perspective on what causes health problems
0: that's brilliant because what I'm hearing from that is when we create this complete distinction between what happens in the mind and what happens in the body, if the body is getting signals that we are not listening to, it may send other signals and there's this disconnect. So what sort of havoc gets caused in the mind and body from stress?
1: Um, I think the important thing to point out before I answer that is is to – is is how we define stress. I think stress is a is a very uh, almost overused word, but I think it's used in a slightly misguided way. So my sense of it is that people often think about stress as being some agitated feeling that they have if they're overwhelmed, and I think that agitated feeling is an emotional feeling, and I don't. It's not necessarily a body in a state of stress. So. There are two crucial points I feel that we need to embrace when looking at stress. Our body can be in a state of stress where the stress response is switched on, even if we are not aware of this. So our blood pressure can be high, our heart rate can be uh, uh, high, uh, the activity of our, our, our emotional brain can be extremely active but we may in our our conscious awareness have no uh, no awareness that that is taking place at all so it's absolutely possible for our body to be locked in the stress response without us being uh, uh, aware of that so i think that's vital for us to know because people often think if we're talking about a relationship between stress and disease people often will say things like yeah yeah but I wasn't stressed and of course what they mean is that nervous agitated feeling that they believe is stress and so I think it's utterly vital that people know that your body can be in a state of stress without you being aware of it and that's usually what the problem is certainly in my mind is that it's a body in a state of prolonged stress that it then begins to break down and that is what causes uh many of the symptoms that that people experience so that's the first point the second point about stress is that and this is what really links mind and body is that whether you have a physical injury you could fall down a flight of stairs you could twist your ankle you could have a car accident but whether you have some form of illness, you've got a case of flu, or whether there's a buildup of emotion within within your body and brain, the stress response that's triggered is exactly the same. So the way I look at this is it's almost as if we have a stress bucket inside and all of the our stressors go into our stress buckets. And when that stress bucket gets full, then the overflow is the symptoms that we experience. So the things that go into that stress, bucket it can be a bad diet. It can be over uh, uh, exercise. It can be drinking too much booze. It can be that, as I say, you've had uh, some form of illness or an accident. My those, I think, in terms of looking at them, if you're looking at an accident, that's usually a one-off. If you're looking at a bad diet or too much alcohol, those are straightforward, tangible fixes. The focus of my work is on emotional feelings because uh, our emotion tends to get blocked up without us being aware of it. So my sense of it is the biggest contributor to our our stress bucket is our emotional feelings. And just a quick point on that is again, people tend to think that emotion is often something that's all in the mind. And I think it's important for us to know that emotion is a complex physiological process that affects all of our body, all of the major organs and all of the brain. Uh, now without wanting to get too complicated here, emotions and feelings are slightly different. So uh, our emotion is a non-conscious process. And the idea is that emotions should trigger feelings. And then we have feelings, you know, if you have a feeling of anger, an emotional feeling of anger, the the feeling follows the emotion. Now, what we learn to do, I believe, in our culture, is we learn to block our feelings. And this can happen in child childhood, this can happen as we go through life, and for the most part tends to happen at an unconscious level. So we're not aware, it usually happens that if we're presented with, if our body produces a lot of possibly overwhelming uh, feelings, we block those feelings, but the emotions underneath are still being produced. So even though we may not be feeling those emotions, they're still getting uh, they're still building up in our stress bucket. So that is usually what keeps stress. Uh, the body in the stress response. So I think those are two very important points that that As I say, there's a whole series of things that can trigger the same stress response in the body When the body stays in a perpetual State of stress and that can happen outside of our, our conscious awareness There's a there tends to be a breakdown of normal functioning so our bodies and our mind self-correcting, self-healing. And what happens, the kind of idea of stress essentially is that the body is, is trying desperately to get back to its default factory setting, if we can put it in that way. And when the body is in a perpetual state of stress, there's a battle going on internally to try to reset to our default setting. But the, if the stress bucket remains full that's keeping us in this in this this internal fight that goes on and it's stress really is is that internal battle where the body is trying to reset us to our default setting yet all, there's all these things that keep going into our stress bucket so that's the that's the sort of the connection between mind and body. The the interesting thing I think is that the notion of a separate mind and body comes from a worldview assumption which is hundreds of years old, and it, it, there's, there's there was no there was never any uh, scientific test. To see a split between mind and body it was an assumption which, where, where mind originally came from the notion of psyche or soul, and it came from the idea that man was connected to God in some way, and that was the, that was something that couldn't be broken apart. So the body could, was was like a machine that could be broken down into separate parts, the arms, legs, and whatever. But the psyche or soul couldn't. And this was this man's special connection with God. Now, as we've come through hundreds of years, science has looked to take God out of you know the, the picture altogether. So we've been left with this reasonably nebulous idea of mind and most people think that well yeah there's mind and body and they're kind of separate things and even when people you know what the thing that i encounter is even when people say that they think that mind and body are connected and they're one and the same they still then say to me, if I talk about stress uh, and our feelings, they still say, oh, yeah, but isn't that just all in the mind? I'm talking about something real and physical. And it's I think it's so ingrained that there's this split that it's going to take a, a some time and it's going to take uh, I suppose repeated hearing for people to really believe actually certainly when it comes to the idea of, of of our emotion and stress that mind and body really are one and I think so for me when it comes to things like our, our feelings then I see no difference between uh, a feeling of hunger and a feeling of anger and in terms of what takes place in our body then there pretty much is no difference. So feelings such as hunger, tiredness, the need for the for the loo, the toilet, the bathroom—you know—it's no different from fear, uh, anger, frustration, happiness. They're all feelings, and they they all require intelligent activity and the flow of that throughout brain and body.
0: So that's a great distinction between that emotions obviously trigger the feelings and that we at some point in our lives may have actually, uh, you know, through environmental circumstances, our family circumstances, we've switched off that willingness to feel our feelings. And also we've probably labeled them as good or bad in that sort of process. So thank you for creating that space where we can understand that. And when I read the write-up around your uh, latest book, you mentioned that physical symptoms are simply a sign of disharmony and energetic imbalance, a tap on the shoulder from our intelligent body that is trying to get our attention. So if someone were listening today and they took offence to the perspective that change is needed from the inside out, what would you say to them right now, Carl?
1: My work is about becoming empowered and I think that as I was saying earlier I feel we've be, we've become quite passive in relation to healthcare. I think that when it comes to symptoms we've we've got into this mechanistic way of looking at things as being a symptom, a symptom is something that's happening to me and I've got a disease because something is invading my system. And of course if you have a case of flu Uh, then yes there's a pathogen that has invaded your system even though whether you actually have symptoms or the length of time that you have symptoms is dependent on the level of stress that your body is registering that's almost like a whole other thing but I think that we've got into this idea where we kind of pathologize and externalize our symptoms and the thing I mean by that is that we look at symptoms as some bad evil invader and we need to get rid of it as soon as possible and I just don't think that that's particularly helpful And as I say, going back to what I'm saying at the start, the 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 very idea that we try simply to treat symptoms. So if you have a headache, you just take a pill. Is at one level sometimes we need to treat symptoms, but unless we understand why the symptom is there, then unless therefore we then address the cause, the, the the symptom can remain or it can morph into something else. So I think what is important is the idea of it being a tap on the shoulder is, can, we, can you allow yourself to look at symptoms as being, my body is the vehicle through which I experience life, if we can look at it in that way. And if I'm walking down the, the, the down the street and a stone pops into my shoe, and start and, and pierces my foot. There's damage to my, to my vehicle. There's damage to my system. And my body lets me know through the symptom of pain. So that symptom of pain is not something that I want to numb away. I, I need to pay attention to that symptom of pain. So what I do in my work is I simply extrapolate that idea. And I believe that when we are experiencing symptoms – of a health uh, challenge, it is our body is trying to get our attention to say there's something wrong. And, uh, you know, as I was saying earlier, my belief is certainly with the health challenges that I'm working with is that the body is saying that our stress bucket is full. And I know it may seem that that's a very simple way of, of, of looking at it. But of course, my work is, is does you know i'm working with people to help them take charge of their own health for them to know that all right well if i can understand why my symptoms are there if i can have a a simple way of looking at what my body is trying to tell me there's something that i can do i can take charge of that myself and that's my goal really is 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 to have people uh, really embrace that idea that our, our our system is a self-correcting self-healing system what we and and we need to be able to unleash that whereas often what we do is we work against it and and we're doing that without being aware that that's what we're doing so i think a first step is embracing that idea that Okay, my symptoms are not some bad, evil invader. My symptoms are a tap on the shoulder. So, my body's trying to get my uh, attention. So, what does I need to do?
0: So, you talked about empowerment, and I guess there's that fine line between blaming your body or the medical system or whatever, but being empowered to take action. So, thank you. That's really helpful in terms of just a new perspective. Because I think if somebody heard this interview without that context, they might sort of think, well, are you telling me that my symptoms are in my head? You know, that type of um, uh, viewpoint.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's absolutely, you know, the, the, I guess the two things that I do here are, are you telling me that my, my symptoms are all in my head? And uh, are you saying that I'm to blame? And the answer to both those questions is no and no. Uh, as, as I said with the idea of mind and body and then not being a split and the idea that uh, our emotion and our stress affect all of our all of our, our, our body and all of our brain and the flow of intelligence activity takes place within or all, all throughout the whole body and what you know just to just to touch on that again The idea of that is it was once thought that intelligent activity was the transfer of information from one bit to another, and that only took place within the brain. So it was the idea that there are neurons and receptors for neurons only in the brain. Then it was discovered that there are neurons and receptors for neurons in the heart and in the gut. So we have a mini brain within the heart and within the gut. So the idea, if you have a gut feeling, it's because there is a flow of intelligent activity taking place within your gut. When we begin to look at it from that perspective and we begin to see that uh, the, the the flow of information does not, you know, the, the uh, results in changes taking place doesn't just take place in the brain. So the exact same uh, activity takes place within the body as well. And then we can see, well, OK, so it's not that you. this is not all in my head. There, there is there. There's a real activity. There's a real flow of information that's taking place. That's the first thing, and yeah, it's difficult. I think I, I, I think when it comes to the idea of blame, uh, one of the reasons that I think we get into that mindset is because we've been so passive, and is because we often look at and we still do this. We look at it with with health issues as being is this genetic you know or is this something happening to me and all of those things disempower us uh, and we live in a culture where I think we are increasingly disempowered which is just not useful for us it means we're always looking or reliant on somebody else or something else and my work is the opposite of that it's the idea that we are creating our experience and we never want to blame ourselves but we want to take charge and it's not that, it's not that we can absolutely control What is going on? But we can be empowered. We can be responsible for ourselves, and we can say, "All right, well, you know, I can I can allow myself to get into that space of understanding that symptoms are a tap on the shoulder, uh, and I can begin to allow myself to look at emotion and feelings in a different way, and begin to to work with them in in a new way that will allow me to have a better experience of health and well being."
0: Fantastic perspective and. I'd love you to tell me about your latest book, *The Intelligent Body*.
1: So, this the the book really talks. It's in two parts. So, first, the first part is is all about this this sort of the stress disease uh, connection. And it talks about us as 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 human beings, as spiritual beings as well, to a certain extent. So it gives an idea about who we are. I I really outline uh, the whole of energy flow coaching. So part one is is really theory. Part two takes people through to a certain extent, I suppose, the process that I take my clients through. The majority of it of of what comprises energy flow coaching is. I, I guess it's it's a set of principles and, and and theory and it's an educational process it's not a step by step set of techniques and when we begin to understand empowerment you know you can see why so what i'm suggesting is that i guess a, a, a basic tenant is this idea that we sort of have a true self an, an authentic self a, a, a consciousness or energy that that is that is us and this true self is not something that we necessarily have to define tightly. But when we when we deviate from this true self, it causes stress and the stress response is triggered and then we get ill. And my work really is, is based on the idea that, well, when we allow our true self to flow, then we tend to feel healthier, we have greater peace of mind, uh, we tend to feel more fulfilled, and life is just better. Uh, So the, the book is largely about taking people through that process. Now, it's really developing, and the, the, the process really is developing a sense of trust with that true self. And it's the idea that when I connect with my true self, because there is that default setting to sort of self-heal and self-correct, then what I need is gentle nudges just to guide me back to my true self and to allow my true self to flow, so I think everyone that's listening now will have had times in their lives where they've kind of felt good they've performed well they've been in a in a sort of flow, and that and when they're in that flow they're not they're not really trying they're not go they're not they're not putting any techniques in, 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 into practice they're not thinking they're just they're sort of flowing and children tend to be like this and this is why a child can be crying one minute and laughing the next is because they allow themselves they don't get caught up in their thinking they just allow themselves to flow and that's really how life should be that's when we are connected to our to our true self but what happens is we as we grow up, we tend to deviate from our true self in order to fit in, to get by, to 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 be liked, to do the right thing, or because of trauma, which is a which is a huge issue. We often then deviate from our true self, and our true self gets blocked up. So there's an energy that is that true self that gets gets blocked up. And I'm hope this is not not confusing in the way I'm I'm, I'm explaining this, but the the process is really that by which we are i'm guiding people back to to who they are i'm helping people to just really unleash who they are and that that isn't a set of mental uh, techniques or tools that people have to go through but the book kind of outlines all that so say so there's some there's some theory which is talks about who you are as a person it talks about stress and disease and our feelings and then it's some Simple exercises that people can try that help them get back in touch with that true self in order that they can experience uh, an enhanced self of a sense of of well-being uh, and better health, really.
0: That sounds amazing because obviously that's what we all want for ourselves is better health and well-being. So I'm wondering if there's still anything left in the tank, Carl, because I'd love to know what your tips are for living fabulously
1: uh my tips for living fabulously are really about about allowing ourselves and i think that one thing i experience with my clients is that i find that th- the words can sound very simple uh, but there's a difference between understanding something at an intellectual level and But really having a full body understanding of something. So my tips are having this sense that I'm going to allow everything I feel to be okay. I think, as as you said earlier, frequently we resist and block what, what we feel or we judge or we try to find meaning. Usually one of the first things that happen is, happens is when our body produces some some uh, uh, feelings is our our thinking brain becomes active and we start trying to find meaning or analyze or generally try to solve our feelings. One of my principles is the idea that everything you feel is okay. Your emotion and your emotional feelings are never a problem and never need to be solved and that doesn't mean that you don't want to take action in life and there's something out there that you that you don't like but I would say that allow yourself to believe that my emotional feelings come from inside of me. My emotions created as a result of my interaction with the world around me. It's not that life causes me to feel certain things. It's not that my boss makes me angry. That emotion arises from inside of me. It's about me and it's about my journey. I can allow it. I can feel it. I don't have to solve it. I may want to, to say something to my boss or I may want to take some action in life but i need to uh, simply allow my emotions to to be there i need to allow my feelings to be there and you know, as I say, when you begin to be in that space of allowing everything you feel to be okay, to to recognize that what you feel is not a problem, you're beginning to allow yourself, you're beginning to unleash, if you will, your true self, rather than block it up, rather than check whether what you feel is normal, or you're know, trying to find meaning in it, and then try to change yourself because you don't like what you're feeling. So what we want to do is be in that space where we're, we're trusting ourselves. So I would say, say, you know, that's kind of tip number one. Tip number two is, is is trust your deeper feelings and allow yourself to be guided by your deeper feelings. Uh, I think in Western culture, we have a tendency to really channel everything through through our through the kind of mental realm if I can put it in that way we want to analyze and critically think about absolutely everything and for me I think that's just it's not appropriate if you will it's almost like you know you 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 don't eat soup with a fork you know that you you have a soup spoon for your soup and then you have a fork for your steak and so I think what we need to understand is when it comes to us, when it comes to making choices for ourselves about a, a direction that we, we, we might be taking, whether this is buying a red dress or a blue dress or something, you know, bigger than that in our lives, is that there is – we need to allow our true self to flow. So we need to be guided by our deeper feelings, by those uh, intuitive feelings, by some form of insight, of, of insight, of wisdom. Uh, uh, you know, knowing all these things that flow through us if we let them, because you 've got to be out of your head for that, and it's recognizing that, yes, there may be work projects that I need to think about and and analyze, but there's other areas of my life, huge areas of my life that I need to let be simple, so it 's allowing life to be simpler in many areas, as i say, and it's it 's not about disregarding our thinking skills and our critical reasoning and analyzing skills because there's a place for them. But it's knowing that I don't have to think about and analyze everything. So my tip is to, in many instances when it comes to you and choices for you, trust those intuitive feelings. Don't analyze them. Don't check with uh, with um, Your friends, your family, let yourself be guided by them and just see what happens when you do.
0: That's a novel thought. We always consult with lots of different people. So thank you for that, Carl. You can find Carl Davies at his website. It's www.carldavies.net and he's also on Facebook under Carl Davies EFC. So, Carl, thanks so much for being here with me today. I think some of my big takeouts are that. This emotion is this non-conscious process which triggers a feeling, and I think that we've spoken a lot now about the seem- seemingly separation of of how we treat our feelings and how we associate with them. But the um, real goal that for me was is taking time to listen to the gentle nudges of your true self that show up as symptoms in the body because you've talked about the body's ability to self-correct and self-heal in specific circun- circumstances. So obviously if you're in a car accident, that would not be the case. <laughs> you would need you know, medical help to support you there. But in other areas in our life, if you mentioned that stress bucket getting full, and I think you've talked about what I would call alignment with ourselves. In allowing ourselves to feel things and to be okay with them, and coming back to that true self and being guarded intuitively by what we feel rather than what we want perhaps other people to believe us to do or, you know, support. So thank you very much for being with me today.
1: Well, thank you for having me. It's been a, an absolute pleasure.
0: Thank you so much for listening. And I would love to know what you enjoyed most about this episode. You can connect with me on Facebook Facebook by searching for Living Fabulously with Bev or feel welcome to leave a message or comment on my website. You can get the links and any references from this episode in the show notes at my website, www.livingfabulously.com forward slash podcasts. Do you have a friend who you think deserves to live fabulously? Spread the love around by sharing the podcast with them right now. Until next time, be sure to live the fab life. The information shared here and in our programs and webinars should not be seen as medical advice and is not meant to take the place of seeing licensed health professionals.